0: Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys as always. And unfortunately, as you guys heard, no intro music. Um, We had an issue with the computer that we were using. Um, Well, it broke. Let's just be real honest. I dropped it, it broke, and now uh, we don't have intro music for right now. We don't have our our normal intro. We're going to get that back for you guys next week um, we're gonna be able to hopefully uh, I'm gonna go out this week look for a new computer um, that we can edit on so hopefully we can get that out to you guys again sorry about that sorry about the delay as well um, earlier this week you know we you, you know how we usually do it early in the week usually Monday or Tuesday we'll release an edition of the podcast where you guys uh, can hear the review of the game from a week ago and then later in the week usually around this time is when we release the preview. We're going to combine them today, and it's actually just going to be me, myself, today. Um, Josh is actually uh, doing some work uh, for um, his actual job today. So it's just going to be me here uh, with you guys this afternoon, uh, the day before the game against Appalachian State, to preview the game and review the game against Wake Forest. So um, I do want to tell you why things have been going a little bit slow over the last couple of days. Unfortunately, uh, my grandfather passed away earlier this week, and so we were going uh, through everything for his funeral and everything like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I, again, I'm sorry about any of the delays that we had this week. I know the stock report came out on Wednesday when it's supposed to come out on Monday. But, um, you know, we've been trying to fight through some things and uh, try to get all the uh, every, everything that we could get out to you guys out to you guys. So uh, we'll be back on schedule as normal this week. Of course, later today um, we will have the preview, the um, article preview for you guys, which will give you everything that you need to know. Of course, it'll give you the team breakdowns, team stats, uh, as well as the keys to the game, the injury report, and those projected starting lineups. You guys can make sure uh, make sure to check uh, on my social media page at Future Tar Heel. Uh, heel tough blog on Facebook is where you can check as well and then of course, on the website, make sure that you scroll down to the bottom and subscribe uh, It says subscribe to the newsletter but basically um, it's just to subscribe to the articles. make sure that you subscribe because we'll send them right to your uh so or your email account and so you can read them right there as soon as the articles come out that's the best way to do it so Um, Y'all, again, we want to thank you guys for being patient with us, and uh, we'll be back to normal schedule here uh, as we go throughout this next week. So, let's talk about that Wake Forest game really quickly. I was able to watch the entirety of the game, so uh, that's one of the good things uh, that came out of a a relatively somber week. But, um, you know, when you look back at that game, it's kind of a weird one because early in the game, it kind of felt like, oh, no. Here we go again. You know we've got the two wins on the season. Uh, are we going to start a start to sort of fall back into some of those things that we saw a year ago? Um, you know the offense was really sputtering early on. I thought the game plan was part of the issue with that. Um, you know a lot of a lot of either long throws or screen plays. Um, And then some run plays that just weren't really that effective, sort of what we kind of saw a little bit with Larry Fedora towards the end of his tenure. Um, But, you know, things did shift later on in the second half. Um, You know, the offense really picked it up. Sam Howell actually got benched in the first half for Jace Reuter um, and then came back in the second half and played fantastic, about as good as you could hope for. Uh, Once again, fourth quarter, just phenomenal. Um, His fourth quarter stats are just absolutely ridiculous. At this point. Um, And I mean, right now, you you look at where this Tariel football team is offensively. It's really interesting to kind of break down where they're at because. There are some really good things that are coming out of it. I think, you know, so far, definitely a better running team than we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, even though there were some struggles from Javante Williams the other night, it seems like the Tar Heels have had at least one running back that has stepped forward and have a good game. Uh, you had Javante Williams in the first two games, who was fantastic. You have Michael Carter, who steps up the other night against Wake Forest and was amazing as well. And, uh, you know, I think right now that one-two punch that the Tar Heels have right there is great. And you also have Antonio Williams, who really hasn't seen a lot of action since that game against South Carolina, that is always waiting in the wings and ready to go. But you look at the two guys that are the primary running backs right now for the Tar Heels. I I mean, Michael Carter, you know, we kind of know what Michael Carter is. He's a guy that, you know, look, he drew comparisons to Giovanni Bernard. I don't think he's quite that special of a talent. I think that was a little bit too forceful out of the gate. But he's really developed into a nice rotational back that the Tar Heels can use. A good change of pace from Javante Williams. Got a little more speed. Can catch the ball a little bit better out of the backfield. And we saw that the other night. And at times, that's what you're going to need. It's the guy that's got a little more speed. Can make things happen on the outside. And that's exactly what he did against Wake Forest. He was able to get into space and make plays. And that's what Carolina needs to see a lot more from him. I thought one of the- really good things as well from Michael Carter, even though he was having to go to the outside. We've seen him become a guy that likes to try to dance around and find that that big-time play. He was a little more decisive when he needed to be in that second half, and that really helped Carolina out. Meanwhile, Javante Williams, he had the worst game of uh, his 2019 season. And I think a lot of people probably will look back at the game and say, well, you know, he fumbled the ball. You know, is there anything to be really concerned about with Javante Williams? I don't think there is. I think Javante Williams is probably the, be, the the best overall running back on this team because he does have some speed to his game. And he mixes that with what is just an unbelievable edge that he runs with. I mean, he's probably the best power back that the Toriels have had. Probably since Ryan Houston. I think there were moments where Elijah Hood showed it. But even the other night, I mean, Javante Williams... Even though he wasn't gaining a ton of yards, he is tough to bring down no matter what. He runs about as hard as anybody in college football right now. And that's something that you got to hand to the kid because let's be real honest, not a lot of running backs these days want to be that style of running back. They want to be the guy that is going to make all the extra cuts and somehow find a way to turn it into a 60-yard touchdown. Javante Williams is a guy that can live with getting four or five yards. And just pounding it inside the tackles or going outside the tackles and really taking on some of these safeties and cornerbacks that aren't as strong as the guys you're going to face in the middle and running them over as well. So, you know, I think he's going to be fine. You know, he we knew he was going to have one of those games somewhere along the line. And uh, unfortunately, it was against Wake Forest. Yeah, he fumbled. I'm gonna be really honest with you. From going back and watching the play and seeing it live as well, you know, I thought he had good ball security. It was just a good play by the defender. So, you know, look, you know, there there are gonna be some ups and downs for the guys, but ultimately, I think that running back core is still phenomenal. And very strong. And then you look at the wide receiver core. There's a reason why Sam Howell is having so much success. Diami Brown, another great performance, as well as Daz Newsome. Those are your top two guys. We knew that coming into the season. I don't think anybody expected what we're seeing out of Diami Brown. Maybe not on this level. Um, you know, I thought maybe Daz Newsome would, uh, you know, step up, lead the team in receiving, and Diami Brown would kind of be behind him. Diami Brown's got 233 receiving yards in three games. I mean, this is a huge step up for him. Right now, he's on pace to be a 1,000-yard receiver. And Carolina, I'm going to be honest with you. They could use a 1,000-yard receiver um, on this team, especially with there really only being two guys that have stepped forward and sort of taken control of the targets on the team. I mean, you look at all the other guys really behind both Newsom and Brown and there's not really a guy that stands out. I mean, Bo Corrales has had a couple of moments as well. Of course, the touchdown against South Carolina. You got Antone Green, and then there's a couple other guys that are trying to battle for catches in there and targets, but really, those two have been the two big guys to step up, and usually when you have two guys like that, you would like to see one of them get to 1,000 yards receiving. I think it's very possible that uh, Deami Brown gets there. I think it's possible that both of the guys get there, although I don't really Know we'll have to wait and see, Um, but ultimately, what a great start for both of those guys to their seasons. Diami Brown was a guy that we pegged as a breakout candidate here on the Heel Tough Log podcast, and so far, he is proving us right. And then on the offensive line, you know, I want to talk about the offensive line in specific because they are really struggling without Nick Polino. There was a tweet at halftime of the game that Inside Carolina tweeted out that the Tar Heels are averaging 3.4 yards per play since Nick Polino uh, was removed from the lineup. So it hasn't been quite as effective uh, as they've wanted it to be over the uh, last, what, He got injured in the second quarter, early in the second quarter. So basically the last seven quarters of football, Tariel's offense has struggled without Nick Polino. And that and that's pretty accurate. You know, they had the big first quarter against Miami, but then once Polino went down, you could see that something was a little different. Those inside running lanes aren't really there. Pass protection hasn't been as good. And that was expected. Look, Brian Anderson, again, another guy that's a young guy having to be put into you know the fire basically on that offensive line, and again, you look at the defensive lines that the Toreros have faced so far: South Carolina, Miami, very good defensive lines. Wake Forest, uh, you know, I, I I would say good, not great defensive line, but you know, in the past they have had guys that have emerged and made it to the NFL level. I think Carlos Basham, the defensive end, who we saw the other night, is probably one of those guys that can make it to the next level. So. It's not an easy task facing three power five opponents out of the gate with, you know, two of those games pretty much having a completely underclassman interior offensive line because that's what it is right now. You've got Ed Montillas, of course, at left guard. He's had a really good start to his season. And then you have at center, Brian Anderson and at right guard, Marcus McKeithen, who have both kind of had their ups and downs, which we would kind of expect. Ed Montillas was the guy that kind of broke out in the spring. So I think we expected a little more from him. Brian Anderson and Marcus McKeithen, of course, you remember early in fall camp, Brian Anderson, was at center with Nick Polino at right guard. Then they decided to switch Marcus McKeithen into right guard and put Nick Polino at center the week before the game against South Carolina. So, you know, I think they're going to have their ups and downs in there. I'm not really overly concerned with Brian Anderson because there have been some good things that he has done. He had a great game against South Carolina. I mean, honestly, most people probably didn't even realize that he came in because it really wasn't and there, there wasn't any drop-off at all. He may have actually played a little bit better than Nick Polino in Charlotte, but you know, since then, we've started to see some of the struggles that we would expect from a new starter and a sophomore at center, so you know, I still think this offensive line unit is growing. Um, there's definitely a little bit of concern at right tackle right now with the fact that you got Jordan Tucker um, at listed as questionable for this next game. We don't really know where his status is at. If it's changed since earlier this week, it'll probably just be listed as questionable, and that's what we're going to list it uh, on the preview that we'll release later today. Um, y'all, Joshua Zudu, I think, is the guy that you know will take over. That was the guy who came in the other night for him uh, against Wake Forest. I would assume that he's going to start... Um, if Jordan Tucker can't go against Appalachian State. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how those guys perform. But one of the big things offensively, and this is what the last thing that we'll talk about before we shift a little bit over to the defensive side of the ball. Third downs has been the big concern earlier this season. We're three games in to the season, and Carolina is at, is right now sitting 126th in third down conversion rate at 21.4%. Now, you may be saying to yourself... Well, you know, they just need to get better on third downs. It's really that simple, isn't it? It's not really that simple. It starts on first and second down. And really, since that game against South Carolina, where the team did go 5 of 16, and you know what? Even if they were in some third and long situations, it was the first game of the year. You kind of expected that because it is a new offensive scheme. You've got a lot of young starters. You expect that, okay, early in the year, there will be some of those bumps in the road. But it hasn't progressed. It's actually gotten worse. Worse with the third and long situations that the Tariels have faced. So far this season, the Tariels have been in third down 42 times, and 23 of those have been third and long, which is third and seven or longer. So it starts on first down. This team has to be better. At making something happen on first and second down. And we've seen it over the last couple of games. Really, again, since that Nick Polino injury, the last seven quarters, the offense has looked a little bit different than it looked in the first game and a quarter. I thought in the first, you know, early on in the season for Phil Longo, they did a really good job of getting out some early passes, very quick passes that were gaining three or four yards, whether it was an out route to the sideline, a little slant route across the middle, just something to get the ball into their receivers' hands and get upfield. Because the running game right now isn't quite working as well, which you would expect without a senior starter in the middle. So, uh, you know, Look, I think Carolina's game plan is still really solid. We've seen that. Look, it works in the fourth quarter, which is where you want it to work. We'd love to see it extend into some of the other quarters as well. Um, But I think, you know, they've got to find a way to try to move the ball on first and second down if they want those third down woes to go away. You can say, okay, they got to be better on third down. But when you're in third and 12, third and 14, it's really hard to draw plays up that um, you know, over and over again without putting your quarterback at risk of throwing an interception and creating a turnover that could ultimately hurt you even worse down the line. That's the problem. Of course, penalties have been sort of an issue there, too. Um, you know, Miami was an exception. I think that was more of the play calling. That's where you saw that because, look, you only have one penalty for five yards. It's clearly not the penalties, Against Wake Forest, there were some, you know, the the penalties returned a little bit, not quite on the level that we saw against South Carolina, which is good. It seems like Mack Brown and his staff are focusing on trying to keep those a little bit lower, but the play calling just has to be better. They've got to change it up a little bit. It can't be, you know, always run or run, run or run, an extremely short pass or screen play. It's got to be a little bit of something different. um you know, I think one of the other things is they were looking to go long a little bit too much against Wake Forest. Um, you know, get it in the middle, sort of create some of those natural pick plays and get some of your guys open because look, we know what Phil Longo's mentality is for his wide receivers, fine grass, and unfortunately really over the last seven quarters the offense hasn't been able to do that in early downs and it's put them in tough situations on third down. So we'll see if Carolina can be a little bit better against an af state defense that uh, has had their struggles, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's keep it focused on the Wake Forest game, turn to the defensive side of the football just really quickly. Um, you know, Really a, a pretty solid performance outside of that stretch there from late in the first quarter into the second quarter. The secondary really struggled in that second quarter primarily Trey Morrison, but he was faced with a tough matchup because Sage Surratt is a guy that, let's be real honest, Larry Fedora simply missed on. That was a guy that should have been a Tar Heel. His brother Chaz, of course, is a Tar Heel. And you look at the way that he catches the football, easily one of the better natural catchers of the football in college football right now. He's a guy that will be an NFL player, no doubt about it. And, you know, that's one that I think a lot of people are going to look back on honestly and say, man, you wonder if he was in a Tar Heel uniform, what this offense would look like. But Trey Morrison had some struggles against him. Um, You know, again, part of that was the fact that Sage was good. Some struggles in coverage for him as well, though, uh, you know, wasn't quite able to be in the right position at every time. But, you know, I still think that Trey is going to be perfectly fine. On the other side, Greg Ross did a fantastic job. They actually switched Greg Ross as, uh, on to being the primary guy, um, with Sage Sharad for the second half. And I thought he did pretty well against him. Allowed just three catches for 17 yards um, in the second half. Now, both of that, you know, that was a combination between him and Morrison. Morrison was on him a little bit in the second half as well. But Greg Ross was tasked with handling him a little bit more in the second half. And I thought did a really great job against him. As for the pass rush, They really missed Jason Strobridge there. A lot of younger guys had to play, but you know there are some bright spots still. Timon Fox still looks really, really good. Um, he had the uh, the extreme effort play that you will go back, missed the tackle, and then went down the field and actually made the tackle on the running back uh, Kenneth Walker the third. Um, So. You know, I, there's still some things to be extremely encouraged about. Aaron Crawford, uh, he actually won, um, I think Pro Football Focus listed him on the first team for the, All, for, for the ACC, and then there was another publication that listed him on the national team for his performance this past week. Um, so look, I mean, Aaron Crawford is off to a great start to his season. The defensive line is not an area that you should be concerned about. Linebacker, a uh, little bit different in the middle. Um, you know, again, you, they've got four guys. We saw Jonathan's Smith a little bit, but again, most of your primary guys: Jeremiah Gemmel, Chad Surratt, uh, as well as Dominique Ross. And you know they had a decent game. Tackling is still an issue; they got to figure out how to make these tackles. Because again, it feels like Jay Bateman is putting his guys in the right position, especially on run plays. But the tackling just hasn't been as good as you'd like to see it. If Carolina can shore that up as the season goes along. It's going to be hard to run on this team because they are doing a great job of filling gaps, being where they need to be. They've had some moments, of course, where they've missed some assignments, and look, that's going to happen. But for the most part, especially in the crucial downs, they have done a great job of being where they have to be. Now they just have to make the tackles, not let these guys escape and get extra yardage, and I think that would be huge. So, that's your look back at the Wake Forest game. Of course, uh, the, the other thing that you guys are going to want to talk about uh, at, before we turn to App State, of course, is the the last second call against Michael Carter. You know, I, look, I don't know how you take it. Let's be real honest. If you go back and watch the play, if you're looking by basketball rules, which is honestly probably how they should do football after the two-minute warning, if you step out of bounds, the clock stops right at that second. But again, there's a couple of different explanations to this rule. And the NCAA did come out and explain this. Or th- oh, Actually, I think it was the ACC that came out and explained this. They said, look, there should have been one second on the clock. The referee did blow his whistle with one second. And that's one of the keys to this rule if this was to come back and happen once again to the Torios later on this season or anybody else in a game that you're watching. The, the clock apparently, according to the NCAA rules, does not stop until the referee blows his whistle. So if the referee chooses not to blow his whistle for two or three seconds... The clock does not stop. That is how it works. It will tick off until a whistle is blown. Whereas in the you know in college basketball in the NBA, the minute that you step out of bounds, the clock stops. So that is not how it works at the college level. Um, at the college football level, that is, excuse me. Um, but unfortunately, you know that fortunately for the Tar Heels, that was not the reason why this play was uh what wasn't you know was called out of bounds with no time remaining on the clock uh they did say look that you know it was ultimately wrong but there is a key aspect of this that we do want you guys to realize It was, you know, in the reading, I know most people probably focused on the fact that, look, they said, you know, there should have been one second on the clock. The referee blew his whistle with one second. That wasn't the biggest thing that you should have taken away from that news release. What you should have taken away is that they listed it as forward progress, which is a thing. If you are getting pushed back by the defender and you go out of bounds, they will keep the clock running. And that is how they ruled the out-of-bounds play for Michael Carter. They said that he was being pushed out-of-bounds, so forward progress was stopped. That means that because it was a first down, the clock would have stopped. They would have had to reset the football, and Carolina would have gotten one more snap. But here's the thing. Getting everybody up to the line, getting that snap off, that is almost nearly impossible with one second on the clock, especially because according to the rule book. Everybody is supposed to be set on the line of scrimmage for at least one second. You look, I don't know if they would have been able to get a snap off. Maybe they get one off and throw a Hail Mary and win the game. Honestly, here's the thing that you should take away from it. Michael Carter should have gotten out of bounds a little bit earlier there. I think he knows that. He addressed that in the post-game press conference. And... The other thing, you can't get down 21, nothing, and expect to come back and win a game. It's not going to happen very often. That's the biggest comeback in Tariel football history. Um, back in 2015 against Georgia Tech, they came back from down 21. They were not able to do it this time. But, you know, here's the thing there's still a lot of encouraging things to take from this game. Again, fourth quarter offense and defense. One of the better ones in all of college football right now. Their points differential in the fourth quarter is one of the top in college football. Uh, I think it's plus 72. I don't have the statistics in front of me at the moment, but I think it's plus 72 as we sit right now. That is just ridiculous. A huge turnaround from a year ago. So look, we know Mac Brown and his staff can get these guys motivated for a fourth quarter. I don't think anybody was really all that concerned with that actually anyways, but You know, this team looks comfortable with the pressure situations. Now, the thing is, can they go into one of these fourth quarters with a lead and keep it? They did go into the fourth quarter with a lead against Miami, but lost it. You would like to see this team make it a little bit easier on themselves going forward. But again, this is a team that shows fight. There's still some guys on the offensive side of the ball that are turning into stars. And you look at the defensive side of the ball, there are some things to definitely be encouraged about. Jay Bateman has got his guys feeling a little bit more confident than they were in past years. And there are some guys that are starting to emerge as really good players that could be faces of this team going forward for the next couple of years. So that's the good things to take away from the game against Wake Forest. Now the Tar Heels will have to read. Bound and it starts against Appalachian State on Saturday, and it should be a good home environment. The game is at three thirty uh, tomorrow. It will be on the ACC Extra, I believe. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work. I heard from or I saw on social media from someone that apparently it will be on the Yes Network. Uh, which is where the Yankees play, if you guys don't know that. But the problem is, is that the game will be taped. So I'm not sure. I, I have no idea if the game's not going to be televised. If it is, if it's not televised, of course, you guys know that you can always listen to it on the Tariel Sports Network with our friend Jones Angel and Brian Simmons, who will be on the call tomorrow. Um, but. You know, I, I think that's kind of weird. I mean, the best solution, of course, is to be in the stadium. I won't have to worry about it. I will be there. But I do think it's a little strange that that game is not going to be on television. So I'm not 100% sure about that. Make sure that you check. And I believe also, if you can't get it on there, you can likely get it on the Watch. Um, well, it's not the Watch ESPN app now. You got to go to the ESPN app, click on the Watch tab that's down at the bottom of the screen and it should be able to bring it up for you as long as you can put in your tv um, provider information you know where you sign in and uh, you know maybe do your bill or check some stuff online everybody's got those online accounts now uh, for your cable service So all you have to do is sign in and you should be able to watch the game against App State um, again it starts at three thirty. the environment should be a good one another sold out game I think they're you know look there's gonna be some App state. State fans here. I'm going to tell you that right now. App State, uh, you know, this, when this game first went on sale, it was one of the ones that sold out the quickest. I think, I believe that Clemson sold out before, but App State was right behind it. It was a joint announcement, but I believe Clemson beat them to it. App State was right behind it, and that's what kind of gives me the feeling that there are going to be a lot of App State fans, but there are also going to be a lot of Tar Heel fans in attendance for this. I expect the student section to be pretty hyped. I know that it was you know, a little bit of a blow losing to Wake Forest, but look, this team is still 2-1. and one. Nobody expected them to be 2-1 at this point in the season. Let's be honest, there were a lot of people that probably thought this team would be 0-3, 1-2 at the best. So there's a lot of things to be encouraged about. You're facing an App State team that is pretty good. They've been there, done that before. Of course, everybody remembers, you know, back to when they were still an FCS opponent and beat Michigan in the big house. But... Look, even though they haven't upset a team since that day that is a Power 5 opponent, they've come pretty close, especially each of the last two years. Last year, of course, being the one that everybody's going to remember against Penn State, where, let's be real honest, they probably should have beaten that team in Happy Valley. So they're not afraid of an environment. They've been there, done that before with upsets. So it's not going to be an easy game. Now, this App State team, when you look at them, offense, offense, they're going to be one of the best in the country. This is going to be one of the tougher tests for this Torre Heel defense, believe it or not, that they're going to see throughout the entire season. Why? Well, that's because they've they the App State has got a running back named Darianton Evans, who has had a fantastic season. They've only played in two games so far this year, and he's already ran for 333 yards and four touchdowns. So we thought, okay, there might be a little bit of a drop off with Jalen Moore not returning. Uh, no, not so much. They might have even gotten better in the backfield. It's going to be interesting to see how Carolina can handle that because that's been the area that they've struggled the most since, really, really since Butch Davis left, if we're being really honest. Um, you know, they really haven't been able to stop the run. I think it's what now? Four or five straight years of allowing over 200 yards per game on the ground, which is just a sickening statistic. Uh, they're right now, they sit at 176.3. We'll see if that'll adjust in this game, but that's going to be one of the keys for Carolina, is slowing down the run and making App State win the game through the air. Why? Well, Zach Thomas, who does return from last season at quarterback, a good quarterback, But he's a guy that can make some mistakes when he has to win the game himself, especially if Carolina can put some pressure on him. And then, of course, you know, you look at their wide receiving core. Corey Sutton returns. He comes off a suspension. He's a guy that is going to be a little bit of trouble for Carolina. We'll see how the Tar Heels can handle him. I don't think, you know, there were some App State fans that were comparing him to Sage Sherratt. I don't think he's on that level, no, nowhere near that level, um, but he is a really good player. Uh, that's going to be their primary target because they don't have another player right now that's over 100 yards receiving during the season. Now, again, they've only played in two games. But the fact that they've thrown for over 300 yards and don't have a receiver that's over 100 means they don't have anybody that's really taken a step forward to become that next guy. Thomas Hennigan's probably the guy to keep an eye on out of all the other guys. I mean, he had seven catches for 79 yards against East Tennessee, but then kind of disappeared a little bit against Charlotte. So it'll be interesting to see where they go there. Uh, Carolina, ultimately, like I said, if you can make them have to win it through the air, I feel like that's going to give you a better chance to win this game. The defensive side of the football, App State really struggled the last time they were on the field against Charlotte. And look, Charlotte is a team that look. I think we all believe is improving. Will Healy is a heck of a coach. He's a guy that a lot of people are probably looking at as a possible candidate to become the Toriel's next head coach after Mac Brown steps away following the end of his tenure contract. Whatever you know, it just kind of depends on where he feels he's at. If it's going to be three, four, five, however many years. We'll have to wait and see on that, but Will Healy is the guy that a lot of people are looking at to potentially be the next head coach. He's done a great job with Charlotte. The fact that they scored 42 points, had over 500 yards of total offense, not really a great sign for the App State defense. Um, you know, I think there are some areas where the Torios will be able to attack. I think the passing game is, you know, it, it's set up for uh, possibly a big day. Keep an eye on De'Ami Brown against some of those corners from App State who um, really haven't had a great start to the season. And, you know, look, teams have been able to run on them so far. So that's the other thing. Carolina's got to find that, that offensive rhythm early in the game, and it's got to stay there the entire game. It can't disappear like it did against Miami. And, you know, look, this defense is nowhere near as good as Miami. It's not even close. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, Carolina's got a real chance against a team that right now ranks 116th in defensive efficiency. So, look, they're really struggling early in the season on the defensive side of the football. Carolina's got to take advantage of that, put up some points, and give the defense a little bit of a breather here, not put as much pressure as they have in the first three games on them. And I think they have a chance to be really successful. One of the things Carolina has to do also, feed off of that environment. Again, it is going to be a pro crowd. There will be a lot of App State fans there, but it will still be a pro crowd. I think probably a little more App State than we saw Miami fans in attendance. But if Carolina is able to feed off the crowd like they did in that game against Miami, build some momentum, especially late in the game if they need it, I think Carolina can come away with the victory. My official prediction for the game, I'm going to go with Carolina 38, App State 21. I think Carolina, again, you know, they've shown some signs on both sides of the ball that they're returning to being a team that is going to give people problems they've got to make it a little more consistent i think offensively they will be able to do some things i think they'll still have some moments where you'll kind of be left scratching your head but i think ultimately they'll have a good day and then defensively again it's about building a consistent performance Week in and week out, I think they show some signs of improvement in this game they 'll have some moments where they'll struggle, I think particularly early on against Darientown Evans and that backfield for Appalachian State. But I think ultimately Carolina ratchets it down, gets to three and one with a thirty eight to twenty one victory, and sets up a huge game against the Clemson Tigers next week. That one will be in Keenan Stadium, and it is going to be a three thirty kick, which I think actually helps Carolina that it is not a nighttime kick. It's going to be a huge weekend, but Carolina's got to get through App State first. Make sure you don't overlook that, um, as well as make sure you don't overlook the articles that we got for you after the game is over or before the game. Make sure that you check out the preview article, which will come out later today on HeeltuffBlog.com. Again, scroll down to the bottom. I think we're actually—I'm actually, actually going to try to go in and fix that. Whenever I can get my computer up and running again, go in and change it to subscribe to all articles. Make sure that you get it right in your email. All you have to do is go in, download the app, and pull it up, and you'll be able to read the article right there and then. So make sure that you check out the preview article. Then, of course, later tonight, make sure that you are keeping an eye out. We should have the uh, a fit the scouting report for Desmond Evans and Desmond. Uh, Jaden Chalmers up as well. Both of those guys from Lee County High School. We're going to check those guys out tonight on our way up uh, to Chapel Hill where we're going to stay the night and then go to the game tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so make sure that you're keeping an eye out for that. Then once the game is over, we will have the recap for you. Make sure you are checking on HeelTopBlog.com for that one. It'll be up earlier than the last two have been because it's a three thirty game. So the game ends earlier. That means that we'll be able to get writing earlier and get that up. So that'll come out tomorrow night. Um, you know, probably sometime after in the middle of the prime time game, maybe a little bit later, but sometime around there, and then. We will, of course, have the stock report. That'll start, uh, you know, that, that'll move back to being on either Sunday or Monday. It just kind of depends on what the schedules look like. Um, more than likely, because I will be driving back on Sunday I will likely have that up for you guys on Monday, and then that will mean that the trench reports will come out on Tuesday. The Tuesday trench reports each week, Josh Marlowe breaks down how the Tar Heels looked on the offensive and defensive lines for you guys, so make sure you keep an eye out for that, and then we'll cycle back around and do it all again for the Clemson game. So uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast Um or like and subscribe to the social media page. Can't do that to the podcast. I guess we'll plug the social media page first. Like and subscribe to the social media pages. Uh, of course, you've got um, you, you got the Heel Tough blog. Facebook page, you guys can do that. Just go to Facebook, search Heel Tough Vlog, make sure that you like it, and uh, it'll subscribe you to everything so that you don't miss anything that comes up on the page. You can also set it to where it comes up at the top of your page anytime that we put anything out. Um, you know, you can go in uh, to see uh, there's there's a button that you click for see first and it'll pull that up for you as well but make sure you like subscribe and go ahead and share the page for us we'd really appreciate that as well so we can get more Toriel fans in here um so that they 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 can enjoy all the articles and the podcast that you guys have been listening to we love doing this stuff for you guys and we're glad that you enjoy it make sure you spread the love and let everybody else uh be able to enjoy it as well on Toriel nation so um for the podcast also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast um, on any of your major podcast listening apps. You can listen to it, of course, on Apple, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Uh, there's so many different places that you can get a radio.com app. Make sure that you guys check out all of those. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and then, of course, you leave us a review. Remember, we don't have film to go off of because we're not on camera. We need a way to figure out what we're doing wrong because, let's be honest, we're very far from perfect. We're, we're not, prof- I mean, we're professionals, but we're not the greatest professionals, clearly not. So, um, you know, leave us a little bit of a review there. Let let us know what you want to see on the podcast, how we're doing, where we can improve. We'd love to hear that from you guys. Um, But of course, we love the fact that you guys are listening, uh, that you've been with us for so long. Uh, You know, we're over a hundred episodes now. We're not stopping anytime soon. And we love doing this for you guys every single week. So make sure you come back and check that out for us. For Anthony Pagnotta, this has been the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. We'll see you next time, and remember, as always, Go Tar Heels!